The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's time to Monday DFS for... Not the British Open, the Open Championship. Sia Najad is here. Sia, I must confess, uh, when I put out YouTube videos for the Open Championship, I do make the title British Open, even though I know that's like, oh, man, I hate it. But that's what people search. I feel like I'm just doing it for, for good SEO. I was going to say, that sounds like an SEO thing, and uh, I totally get it. I actually saw, I think, well, on one of your the things you've already published, I saw British Open, and I knew it was not a mistake. Right. And Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, I would never openly call it the British Open, but I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to beat the algorithm here. I'm trying to do my best. <laughs> yeah, look, you get it, you get into the, it, this is what we call clickbait, right? right. Um, but it's, it's bait to a winning strategy. And that's what all the content you put out there is for. So um, uh, not all clickbait is bad because uh, yours leads to some real value. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Value at the Open Championship. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight. I love it. And we are going back to the old course at St. Andrews. And before we even dive into that, because we're going to talk all about the course, we're going to talk about all the players, but it wouldn't be an open championship. See if we didn't talk about the weather. And I think as of right now, again, it's on the East Coast. It's it's Monday afternoon slash evening. Uh I, are we waiting as long as possible to create lineups here? Is that is that just the plan? We saw basically a two shots uh, wave advantage last week at the Scottish Open. I think time is our friend in this scenario. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe one other thing you could do is once tea times come out, you can set up like PM waves, AM waves, and then decide. Once you actually get some verification on the weather, maybe hours and hours later, which one of those you want to deconstruct, which one of those wave stacks you want to deconstruct. So that's one way to do it if you want to just put some lineups in earlier. The truth is, if you're not sure about the wind, having a PM and an AM stack might be the the way to play it anyway, because one way or the other, we don't know the wind, but it's likely that one of the sides is going to get somewhat of an advantage. And so at least you're playing both sides of it. But to your larger point, yeah, the later, the better for sure. Uh, The last couple of times, and Greg, correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm just trying to go back into the memory bank. I I definitely agree that we have gotten a couple of wave advantages recently, but I believe the winners, the actual winners have come out of the worst wave, right? Didn't uh, Xander Shoffley come out of the worst wave at the Scottish Open? Didn't Justin Thomas come out of the worst wave, the P- worst wave of the PGA Championship? And maybe Matt Fitzpatrick came out. Yeah, the- yeah. I think you're right. Right? I think you're right. It's kind of been a theme for the year that Justin Thomas has had the wrong side of the wave. He did it the players as well, although he didn't win. Um, Cam Smith did come out of the right wave there. Um, I don't. Was where was Scotty Scheffler? Was he the wrong side of the draw? No, he was on, he was on the right side. Of the he draw. was on the right side. Okay, yeah. but but I think you're right about Fitzpatrick, and um, and I think you're right with with Xander as well. So the the draw is a really interesting thing. Is is it a both day draw? Um, is it a single day? Is there a one? Is it an advantage just on Thursday? Is it an advantage on Thursday and Friday? And I know in total you'll likely get an advantage in one way over the other. But the the real it, it really starts to make a difference when it's on both days, and that's one of the things that I'm looking for. Uh, if it's only one day, I think there's a real opportunity for somebody from the wrong wave uh, or a group of players from the wrong wave to have some success, especially in a major where it's typically not a birdie fest. Uh, it does look like we're going to have wind all week. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as high as we've seen. It should be playable. It doesn't look like we're going to get a stoppage in play like we have the last two times at St. Andrews. Um, but I, I think it's absolutely a wait as long as you can thing um, and pay attention very closely to tee times. And 
But what I would do and what I plan to do tonight is to get the players that I like, get the group, and then assign their tee times and figure out how you want to build each lineup based on that. We're going to make a short list. We'll make a short list tonight, and then we'll figure it out from there. Uh, Producer, two things, please. One, bring up that comment that you flashed up there for a second, please. There we go. TJ Lakers Taylor says, this is the most excited I've been about golf in a very long time. Got into golf in 2018. So this is my first taste of St. Andrews as a big fan. Oh boy, you are in for one uh, at, at St. Andrews at the old course. Now producer Troy, if you could share my screen, that'd be splendid. Uh, this is my website, rickrungood.com. This is the course key stats model and the old course. Now, uh, Sia, I, I have to admit uh, this this model that I run every single week for every single course, uh, we only have two years worth of data in this, right? 2015, 2010. That is what's going into this model. So take it for what it's worth. But St. Andrews is a unique challenge, right? There, there's wide fairways, but you've got to be concerned about kind of angles and distance that you're coming in from. They have these massive green. There's just so much to talk about. Where do you even want to start here? Sia? I just love looking at this chart because this is the first time that I've seen that it looks like driving accuracy percentage is like repelling yes. the rest of, of, <laughs> the, of the chart. That's really interesting. But I, but I think this is right. Okay. So if you're looking at this on YouTube at rickrungood.com, driving distance, Strokes gained approach, strokes gained around the green. I mean, I, you know, we can throw putting in there as well because these are huge greens. And so, you know, putting, three-putt avoidance, lag putting, all of those things are going to come into play. So that's certainly something you're going to want to look at. But, yeah, I think driving distance is – I don't think it's supremely important by any means, but, I, you know, I think it's something to look at. And, again, approaching the green is going to be big here. And just – it is – I think for a lot of the golfers here, it's going to be a positional – golf course so just get it in the right part of the fairway off the tee and then hopefully if your approach game is humming um you're going to be close enough where you'll have some birdie opportunities so that's that's basically what i'm looking for options greg options at a lynx golf course uh creativity at a lynx golf course rory mcelroy was asked uh it was this morning where they were playing the, they were doing the champions challenge and he was kind of asked about positioning off the tee. Rory's got all the power in the world, Greg. He can drive probably three or four of these greens. However, he talked about potentially laying back a bit, uh, giving himself full clubs, full swings into some of these pin locations because that kind of 60 to 80 yard flip wedge, it's hard to get a lot of spin on the ball. Uh, Coming in from a full number might allow them to access some of these pins. So we're already learning some of the strategy and there's going to be a lot of it this week. Right. And again, you have so many knolls and humps and bumps and looking at a a green. I mean, you have some, you'll see a whole location on the pin sheet that's 80 yards on. And it's and it's 23 yards from the right. You see a whole location like that, and it's okay. Well, what does that mean? So, and then you have to look at where the ridges are and where the humps and hollows are. And it may it might be a back flag on the wrong side of a a hump where there's a you got to land it on a downslope. And and at 50 yards, that might be a really hard thing to do. But perhaps if you lay back a little bit, um, or if you hit it more to the right, if you lay back, you can get it more out to the right. You can go across that slope rather than straight over it. And because there's so much width and the greens are so big, you have those opportunities. Um, and and it really makes you think, but hone in on a on a specific target. So there is a ton of strategy that's involved. Um, and it's it's something that I, I think it's part of the reason why you see a lot of the success here mirrors success at Augusta National. You think of, well, Tiger Woods won here twice. He's won uh, four times, or five times at Augusta National. Uh, Zach Johnson won at St. Andrews and won at Augusta National. Louis Oosthuizen won here, uh, lost in a playoff here at St. Andrews, lost in a playoff at Augusta National, and has a great record at the Masters as well. So I, I do think there's a parallel between success at Augusta National and success here. And the thing they have in common, very undulating greens, um, big greens, although they can play small at times, and uh, and a lot of thought that has to go into each shot planning that has to go into each shot. And um, so that that's one of the things that I'm definitely looking for this week. We're, we're certainly not exaggerating when we talk about the size of these greens. So 
there are seven double greens, Sia, which means seven different greens have two holes cut into them, one on the front nine, one on the back nine. I believe it's number five. So five and 13. That green is like 97 yards long. Think about that. And it's like wow. 37,000 square feet. Uh, the average green size C is closer to like 22, 23,000, which means that is like three times the size of the greens at Kapalua, which are massive. I mean, these, these guys are going to be hitting 80, 90, 100 foot putts. Uh, how much are you worried about three putt avoidance, kind of these guys' ability to to lag the ball? What are we thinking here? Yeah, I'm pretty worried about it. I mean, it, first of all, the first thing I think of is like when you're looking at greens in regulation after round one and round two, it's like, what is that really going to tell you? Because you might hit a green in regulation and you're, you're still, you know, to put to use your number 90 some yards away from the hole. Uh, with all of that said, yeah, it, I think it's really important. I think a history of, of good lag putting, I, I, you know, three putt avoidance, I think you can look at, but just lag putting in general, uh, I think is going to be really, really important here because there's going to be plenty of times where you're on the green and you're you know 50 yards away or 40 yards away and you, you gotta you gotta put it within six feet greg the comments that we've often heard from tiger woods uh about about saint andrews is of uh, the old course is your lag putting needs to be on it's all about lag putts there's a couple of stats on the pga tour that um show that you could look at three putt avoidance there's also a stat called approach putt performance which means yeah basically how much do you have left after your first putt so it, it comes in it comes in number of feet for example patrick Cantley, number one on tour one feet 11 inches on average after his first putt are these going to play major roles in in decision making this week absolutely it, um now i i wouldn't start here um, uh, but I, it would definitely be something I use as a tiebreaker. Uh, and it's something that definitely gives me a little bit of confidence. So I, I was looking back at 2015. I looked at everyone in the top 10. So there were 11 players in the top 10. Um, one, um, Jordan Niebrug was an amateur, so he didn't really have any stats. And Danny Willett didn't have enough PGA Tour stats to really qualify for rankings. So looking at the remaining nine players, six of them were inside... Uh, let me uh, let me do my count here. I believe six of them were inside the top 40. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, uh, six. Yeah, six of them were inside the top 40. And all of those players finished inside the top seven. So it was, and, and two of them were first, they were tied first on tour. So inside, Zach Johnson, who won. Inside was, the top 40 of what, Greg? Did you mention the Of stats? approach, putt, approach okay, putt putt performance. Putt. Okay. Right. So Zach Johnson and Jordan Spieth were tied first entering the week. Uh, then you had Jason Day and Sergio Garcia were tied sixth entering the week in approach putt performance. So, again, you think of Sergio Garcia. Well, he, he's not necessarily a great putter. He entered that week 141st in strokes game putting, but he was 24th in three putt avoidance, sixth in approach putt performance. Mm -hmm. uh, Justin Rose was 13th in that category. So I, I think when you have that kind of, you know, that number of players that are really successful in that category inside the top 10, again, it's only one year. And the correlation was not the same back in 2015, but or in 2010, rather. But in 2010, you also had a lot of guys in the top 10 that didn't play enough on the PGA Tour. Um, they, they didn't really qualify for stats. So I think 15 is a much better example. Uh, and, and I find that to be very interesting. And in some ways, I think it, it replaces strokes gain around the green. Because you're, you're going to be using your putter from even off these green surfaces so often. Um, it, even when you have a bunker to go over, it, it's just it's not effective to hit little pitch shots off of these tight lies over bunkers when it's really hard to spin the ball. So I, I think guys will use putters or, you know, maybe seven irons, clubs like that and keep it on the ground. And that expands the greens even more. So that's why lag putting is so important. And I think this statistic in particular approach putt performance takes precedent over short game stats. Maybe sand saves is a different story, uh, but, but I still, I, I kind of group this in. It's a, it's a much more important stat than it really ever is on tour. To me, this stat says how good is your, is your speed control is essentially mm -hmm. what it 
this. If you're constantly putting it inside a, a hula hoop, and that's going to be uh, coming in handy uh, this week for sure. Okay, we'll go tier by tier through this. We'll start with the cheat sheet. We'll go through the 10Ks. We'll talk through so many golfers. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code first at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. The cheat sheet. And there are six golfers over $10,000. Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, Sia Najad. The floor is yours. Uh, We've got an absolutely stacked field on a course we know a lot about. How are we allocating our big bucks? Again, we're splitting hairs up here a little bit when it comes to criticism. There's two guys that, you know, ownership aside, there's two guys that really jump out at me. It's Roy McElroy and it's Jordan Spieth. I think Jordan Spieth is likely my, my favorite target just because of the price break you get in this $10,000 range. Um, I mean, he hasn't really slowed down. He could have won last week at the Scottish. He was three shots back going into Sunday and just kind of slept walk his way into a, into a final round, which ended up being a, a T10. We just had that approach putt performance chart up. He was really high up on that. If we're talking about the the wedge game, which is probably going to come into play here, if we look at like 50 to 125, which is a stat this show has looked at recently, he's really high up there too. If we're talking about being creative, being smart, being positional, Jordan Spieth checks all of those boxes. So he's probably my favorite guy in this range. Rory's going to be really popular in this. In Rory's case, that doesn't mean you need to fade him because he can absolutely win this tournament. Uh, I think the interesting guy is Scotty Scheffler, because I I think he's going to be a little bit less popular as each tournament goes by that he misses the cut or, you know, doesn't top five or what have you. So I think he's an interesting one. And I'm really curious to get your opinion, Rick and, and Greg, Greg's opinion on him, because I think his ownership is probably going to be like somewhere between six and eight percentage points lower than a guy like Roy McElroy, for example. Well, coming off the miscut, the Genesis Scottish Open for Scotty, where he gained three strokes in the ball striking categories, Greg, but then gave 
those back and then some in the short game categories. Last time he missed the cut PGA Championship, he immediately bounced back with a runner-up finish. So let's discuss Scotty and then whatever else you see out of this 10K range. Well, um, I mentioned it earlier. Guys who have success at Augusta National tend to have success here as well. So I and and it really it helps for me that Scotty Scheffler had such a nice performance at the Open last year. Um, it's. There, there's a reason for that. And his game embodies a lot of the things that Sia just talked about with Jordan Spieth. Uh, it embodies a lot of the creativity. It embodies the ability to flight the ball. Uh, and, and I think with having Ted Scott on the bag, it's a it's a really big advantage for him. So uh, I'm a little concerned about the putting woes. Somebody sent me a video on Twitter of him practicing on the greens and he didn't look too happy about it. Um, so I, that, that might be the one concern for me, but ultimately I, I, when Scotty Scheffler and even before he won the masters, even before this year, even before he became world number one, the thing with Scotty Scheffler was he stepped up in big events. Uh, and I, I haven't other than the PGA championship, I haven't seen any signs of that stopping. So, um, and, and he bounced back from the PGA with a great performance at the open as well. Uh, and, and, and I think Scotty is a, Really a, a phenomenal play this week. And I may prefer him over Rory, honestly. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess the one concern with Rory is not statistical in any way. It's just, if it gets really windy, is that a good thing for Rory McIlroy? I have my questions about that. I, he's had some lackluster rounds in in windy conditions. Uh, and, and we've also seen Rory in really high-pressure situations like Masters tournaments, first rounds in Masters especially, um, and and in the, the first round at Royal Port Rush in Northern Ireland where you know how much it means to him, he's he's struggled. And I, and I understand that. Part of me thinks that he's past that. Um, the guy came and tied third here with an 80 uh, on the scorecard. So there, there's a lot that says, hey, Rory could win this thing. But I have this lingering concern that might put Scotty Scheffler slightly ahead of Rory for me. Yeah, that um, that third place finish with an 80 was 2010. He did not play in 2015. He had that ankle injury, did not get to defend his Open Championship. I'm really interested in the strategy that Rory McIlroy tries to deploy this week. I, I, I mentioned it. He can bomb it up close to a lot of these greens. Will he opt for that and try to hit these little, I don't know, spinny wedges in, into into some of these pin locations or will he rein it back and kind of give up some of his uh best attributes to give himself some better looks coming in we'll see greg yeah it, it's a it, it's a really interesting thing and it, it leads to the question how does rory do in with with his wedge performance mm -hmm. um and and in that 75 to 100 he's 161st on tour from 50 to 75 he's much better <laughs> He's 49. Um, and then the area that's the best proximity number for him is uh, 125 to 150. And that's kind of that range where you talk about laying back. So is he is he laying back to a strength there? Um, and, and then the next thing that I'd consider is, although he's sixth on tour from 125 to 150, that average is 20 feet. But from uh, 75 to 100, an area where he struggles, it's 19 and a half feet even though he's 161st on tour. So you're better relatively speaking, but are you still gaining an advantage? And, and that's, um, that's a strategy question that I'm very interested to see how it plays out. I'd like in general, take advantage of your strength, especially if the concern isn't hitting it into trouble, especially if the concern isn't missing left. Rory has missed left this year. And that should be a really good thing for St. Andrews. Um, yeah, missing left is literally you're in the other fairway. You're in the like adjacent fairway with these the holes run out, turn around, come back in. Missing left is like not a problem at all. Right. And we saw Rory do it. Rick, you and I talked about it at the open. He did it on Saturday, hooked it on one, hooked it on 12, hooked it on 18. He yeah. had some really big hooks at big times. And that's OK here. And and when Rory isn't fearing left, that that's like 2014, Rory. So I'm. I'm very optimistic about that aspect. Um, I, the one thing I worry about is what happens with the emotions. It seems like he's handling that better than he ever has this year. Um, but it just, I, I, it's not enough 
to prove it yet? Are we going to get uh, that one lackluster round in difficult conditions? It's a tough thing. It's a tough call. It's an emotional call. It's not a numbers call. And, um, and that's something that you got to feel out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind you playing him at all. I wouldn't fall. I, I couldn't find a reason to fault you for it, but if you decided to fade him, I would understand that too. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, see, uh, quickly, we, we didn't, we didn't mention John Rahm. We didn't mention our defending champion, Colin Morikawa. We didn't mention Justin Thomas. Is this, is this kind of the general sentiment on, on these three guys in the middle of the 10 K range that they come after some of these other names? I think so, but I do think John Rahm and Justin Thomas in particular are going to be pretty popular and for good reason. Uh, Justin Thomas in particular, I uh, haven't been super impressed with his putting over the last, let's say, two tournaments, uh, including last tournament where, yeah, we, we see it here. He lost 4.71 strokes putting and, and came up a pretty bad putting performance the, the tournament prior to that, which of course was the U.S. Open. Um, but that's fine. You know, we know he can bounce back with the putter. I just don't know if I want to pay up for uh, Justin Thomas. Like for me, I think he's probably going to be around the same ownership as Scotty Scheffler, maybe a little bit more. So I'd rather just go with Scotty Scheffler or take the more popular Warren McElroy, or for that matter, start my lineup with Jordan Spieth or start it in the 9K range. Um, I I have one thing on Justin Thomas. Yeah, please. Um, One, I could see him being a St. Andrews champion. Yeah. Right. You think about all the wedge stuff that could be really important when you can drive it close to some of these greens. He excels in that area. Um, and also the concerns with putting, I think, are very valid and realistic. But he's sixth on tour in approach putt performance and he's 44th on tour in three putt avoidance. So those are areas of strength. Can he convert that to an open championship to link style? That's that's the big question. And maybe there's a similarity here where he struggled so much on the greens last week at the Scottish Open, but he has this Colin Morikawa thing. It's not irons, but it's um, but it's it's uh, it's with the putter. And if he can do that, if he could do that this week, then I think Justin Thomas can win this tournament. So that that's the key area, and it's an area of strength for him. But is that going to be? Uh, is that going to be a problem this week? It, it's really like a, a really risky play, in my opinion. Uh, JT is basically inside the top 10 in approaches from 50 to 75, 75 to 100, 50 to 125, 100 to 125, 125 to 150, 150 to 175, 175 to 200. I'm not a big fan of the buckets, but when you are inside the top 10 of every bucket from 50 <laughs> to 200 yards, I, I think it's safe to say you're pretty good with your with your wedges. Uh, yeah. And, and we see that all the time from JT. $9,000 range. The guy who refuses to lose, Xander Shoffley, is at the top 9,900. Matt Fitzpatrick is 97. Will Zaltorz is 96. The middle of the range is Cam Smith at 95. Patrick Cantlay at 94. And we round it out with Shane Lowry at 9,300. Dustin Johnson at 9,200. Hideki Matsuyama at 91. And Victor Hovland at $9,000 flat. See ya. You teased starting in the $9,000 range. If that were to happen, where would you most likely go? Interesting that Victor Hovland went from 8,800 up to 9,000 uh, coming off a miscut. Now, I know this came out prior. His odds are like way worse now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, so th- there's obviously a lot to like here. I think Xander and Matt Fitzpatrick are going to be very, very popular, uh, which is fine. I totally get that. I don't know if I can bring myself to to play Xander Shoffley. Like I'll, I'll hand up here. Uh, I'm, I've missed the boat the last couple of tournaments. I haven't really been playing much Xander, and, and including last week where I was like, all right, he's going to be popular. I'll, I'll go ahead and fade him. I think somebody else is going to win the tournament. So, yeah, I, I probably will do the same strategy this week and just hope he doesn't do what he did the last couple of tournaments he's played. Uh, you know <laughs> what I mean? I, nonstop for the last, like, four months? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where, at this point, I may as well just keep the fade alive, because there's a lot of other guys I like in the 9K range that are going to be a lot less popular. I'll start with Cameron Smith at 9,500. Now, again, 
Cameron Smith, the metrics aren't going to pop like they will with Xander Shoffley, especially if you look at him the last couple of tournaments. It's it's nothing great. In fact, the 10th place finish at the Scottish, he did almost all of that with the putter. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly, it's, it's not necessarily a good look. But with that said, Cameron Smith typically is great on approach. He's so good with the short game, or at least he can be so good with the short game. The putter has bounced back. If he marries that with the approach game in particular, uh, I think Cameron Smith, a guy who, just like Jordan Spieth, can be very creative, very intelligent around the course i think he makes a lot of sense the other two guys i really like patrick cantley i'm willing to go right back to him there's certainly no hangover off of the what was it a 78 or a 76 he shot on a couple tournaments ago uh he was great last week at the scottish open i think his game is just fine for this course um and shane lau is the last guy uh, Cantley just so well rounded, you know. He just gains short. Like when he's at his best, he's just gaining strokes across the board. It's green in every category. Yeah. Uh, Th- doesn't that uh, uh, just lastly on Cantley? Doesn't that kind of remind you a little bit of what Xander did before the Travelers? But I look at that. They both had in individual events four top. Well, for Cantley, it's top 15s. For Xander, it, it was uh, four straight top 15 finishes heading into the Travelers, um, or, or 18. One of them was 15, one of them was 18. But anyway, it was it was four straight, gaining across the board. It, it's nearly identical what they have headed in. So I would not be surprised at all if we saw a Patrick Cantley heater start to come up again. Uh, there was a comment in the chat about uh, Matt Nichols. If left isn't a problem, lock in Cam Smith. I, I kind of agree with that greg this is uh your time to shine in the nine thousand dollar range what do you got well i i like cam smith i definitely understand that um i understand the notion and i've been thinking about that for a really long time this should be a place that sets up really well for him i'm encouraged by what we saw last week at the scottish but uh but the iron play seems to be cooling off a little bit um the driver again less of a concern here but he doesn't seem to be clicking on all cylinders the way he was earlier in the year. Um, and and there was a lot last week, a lot of lean on the putting in the short game. So that gives me a little bit of concern. I'm still willing to play him. Uh, I think he's talented enough to step up and have a, have a fantastic week. I think the advantage for him off the tee is clear and evident. So I, I like Cam Smith. I don't love him. Um, the player that I love is is Will Zalatoris. Um, I I think Will Zalatoris has an understanding of strategy that's beyond his years. He he will go into this golf course with a plan and he'll execute that plan. And the real reason that I love Will Zalatoris is his biggest weakness on the PGA Tour isn't a weakness at all when it comes time for major championships. I I looked this up right after the U.S. Open. And in the... This excluded the Open Championship because Will hadn't played in it and they didn't have strokes gain data for it. But in the six majors prior to that, which included the Masters, the PGA and the U.S. Open, he was better putting in majors than anyone that was in the top 10 in the world. Better than anyone. Uh, and and the reason for that is exactly what we're saying is a really big advantage here. He's 14th on tour in approach putt performance. And he's 56th on tour in three putt avoidance. Yet he's 122nd in strokes game putting, right? So putting's a weakness, but not for him. Oh, and, and short putts are a real weakness for him, especially when you get in that three-foot zone. But he hasn't missed a single putt from three feet and in all year. Correct. So I, I, I think a lot of the quote-unquote, holes in Will Zalatoris' game, uh, they they show up in majors, and they're not weaknesses in major championships. And uh, we haven't seen him put together four rounds in, a, in an open championship because he had an injury, but I, I think he is well worth the risk. Uh, it ain't pretty, but he doesn't miss those short putts. Uh, no. For you, Will. And if you look at his major championship putting performance, as Greg alludes to, Seven strokes gained putting at the U.S. Open, four and a half at the PGA Championship, five and a half at the Masters. It's it's absolutely splendid stuff. I had one more thing about Will Zalatoris. Mm, I don't remember. I don't remember. There's a lot of good stuff about it. There's a lot of good stuff. A lot <laughs> and of they're all reasons to play him. Yeah, they're all reasons to play him. Um, we're now entering, and real quick, because we are going to have to get to a lot of these guys, and we'll get to more in the $8,000 range in just a second. But see, uh, DJ, I believe, unless I scrolled past them, is like our first live golf guy, mm-hmm. which we're going to have to reconcile two 54-hole 
what many would call exhibitions now to a 72 hole major championship competition. Uh, is there a blanket idea for these guys or are we taking them case by case? I think we're taking them case by case. I, I do think uh, there's a guy in the 8K range I, I like, but I do think DJ is, is an interesting contrarian play here. I think he's a pretty good course fit. I mean, we know how elite DJ can be. So, I mean, I think he's a good course fit anywhere, but um, I, I think I'll probably be willing to play him in a couple of lineups because his ownership percentage is very likely going to be well under 10%. Sia, do you think, uh, do you think that that is across the board for live golfers. Their ownership will go down or do you think people will, you think DFS players will, um, you know, look aside, not worry about that and, and play them if they think they're worthy. Uh, no, I think uh, across the board that their ownership will be down. I mean, keep in mind a lot of the guys that have gone over there to play on the Live Tour weren't exactly in the, in the most pristine form before they left the PGA Tour. So there's there's that is sort of baked into all of this. But also, you know, it's it's recency bias, kind of prisoner of the moment. We haven't really seen it, and to the extent we have, like you know, no, even even DJ hasn't been very good on the Live Tour. So I think across the board. Uh, their ownership is going to be down, and therefore they'll all be pretty contrarian. Let's continue down to the $8,000 range. Plus, I have a big announcement, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Big announcement. Uh, and I completely forgot to do this at the top of the show. The fan one and done vote is now live. So the fans who have been... I'm not even saying slow and steady. They've been flying up the one and done leaderboard with a win and a Mark Immelman miscut could basically close the, the entirety of the gap. So the fans are in a great position. If you want to get your vote in, do it now, because when we go hot on Tuesday morning, uh, we need your votes. So go ahead. The link is in the description. Get your picks in all that fun stuff. $8,000 range. Uh, relatively small. Burns, Louis, Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Brooks Kepka. Then we rounded out, Greg, with Finau, Sungjae, Corey Connors, Bryson DeChambeau, and Joaquin Neiman. How do we start to break down this 8K range? And this is kind of the range I was referring to. There's a lot of live guys here. Yes. Uh, and again, I, I think Louis Oosthuizen with his record here is hard to ignore. Yes. Um, and, and he's, I think, fairly priced. Um, he's had an ability to... You know, some of the concerns that Sia brought up earlier were, well, the guys that have gone to live haven't necessarily been on great form. And uh, that while that's true in the past, we've seen Louie come into major championships, not on great form and perform quite well. So uh, it, it's less of a concern with Louie live or not. And while I, I don't really think many of the live guys are a, a very good option, I don't think they're. Uh, a great choice. Louis would be the one guy that I really look to as an option. And he won here uh, by a wide margin and he lost in a playoff here in his two starts. So there's nothing to, not to like about Louis Ustays in here. Louis has not been beaten in regulation uh, at, at right. years in St. Andrews, right? Like, right. It's that good. And, and so he's at 8,800. That's a, that's a, almost a value play. It, it, it can definitely fit into your lineup. 10th in Live London, 5th uh, at Live Portland, and he snuck a Euro event in there in between uh, T8 at the BMW International Open. So it's not... Uh, say what you will. I mean, finishing inside the top 5 or 10 of a 48-player event, but th th that's a pretty pretty good run for uh, for Louis. See ya. Yeah. Let's get, I'm sorry, Greg. 
No, I was just going to say if those if those finishes were on the PGA Tour, would that be a would that be a I don't know a top twenty five? If those were thirtieth place finishes in a PGA Tour event, I think we'd we'd say that's positive. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think Louis is very playable. Sia, how are we allocating our funds in the eight thousand dollar range? Yeah, so I, I I agree with Louis. Uh, he's one of the three guys I have listed here. The other two that I think are interesting, just from a value slash upside standpoint, Tony Finau at eighty four hundred. Um, I will kind of caution everybody. I think Tony Finau at that price is going to be really popular. So you know, keep that in mind when you're making your lineups. But I, th- there's not a ton not to like, especially if you look at his metrics. The ball striking has been great. We know that the the putter he's kind of turned around to a large degree over the last let's say couple months and uh, the short game is elite or the around the green game is elite. So that when you're looking at 8,400 and a guy who has the metrics like Tony Finau, it's really hard to say no to that because I think he has the upside to, to get inside the top five here. Last 36 rounds, Tony Finau smack dab in between Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa in strokes gained ball striking, basically fifth on tour during that time frame. Okay. See ya. anyone else in this 8k range before I bounce it back to Greg? Yeah, just one more. I think Joaquin Neiman at 8,000 is pretty interesting. Now, again, his metrics, his recent metrics really aren't jumping out to me either, but I'm really trying to take a broader view here and look at what I think is upside. And I think Joaquin Neiman at 8,000 has a ton of upside. So uh, we know he can be a great ball striker. It's the putter and the the short game in general that's really kind of been an issue. Um so that's just again he's 8000 so if he can find a, a decent short game and if, and if he can find that great ball striking that we know he has he's another guy that i think has plenty of upside yeah he's putted much better recently as well he had a couple of blips but otherwise he's uh back to gain in you know one or two strokes per start uh okay greg we've covered a couple of these guys anybody else uh we need to get to terrell hatton uh yeah. has played well at at, at st andrews uh in the past coming off a 24th place finish never three putts uh sam burns has cooled off a little bit what what else do we have here yeah sam burns is a guy that i really like and you know he rates out he seems like a good course fit he checks all the boxes for me i'm just a little worried about the form is it really a bad thing so i'm i'm a little more on the fence than i'd like to be with sam burns i think he's still worth the risk Uh, this is a player who earlier in the year he missed three cuts in a row and then went on a run at the arnold palmer invitational on a on a difficult setup in the wind and uh and he won two starts later so I, i think he has the game to you know figure it out one night on the on the range and and really stand up and perform and i think the golf course fits him very well so i'm i'm interested in him again i i think it comes with some risk because we question his form we also he's a young player we don't have a lot of links experience with him uh and again it's just a concern it's not a deterrent it's not so he I, i think there's a ton of upside with sam burns which is why I'm willing to play him. I just think there's risk. Um, Tommy Fleetwood would be the other guy who I'm I'm very curious in. A lot of what he's done of late and over the past couple of years have been short game and putting related. Um, and, and he seems to be doing fine with the putter. I mean, he's gained strokes on the greens in four of his last five. Uh, and, and he's also starting to hit the ball a little better. Now they're getting closer to even they're they're not significant gains but i think this is the tommy fleetwood who is more like what we're accustomed to seeing and if this were in 2018 tommy fleetwood would be on everybody's list and ownership would be through the roof and his price would be in the nine k's would be my guess so i i think tommy fleetwood's a really valuable play here in this range as well Let's motor on down to the $7,000 range. Uh, I will not name them all. Max Homa, Cam Young, Robert McIntyre at the top. Burns, Wiesberger, Cameron Tringale, Danny Willett, Harris English down at the bottom. So, Sia, this is where we just get an influx of golfers and we've got to sort through them and find the best options. So there are so many interesting names, especially in the lower 7K range that I'm just really kind of curious who everybody else comes up with for this show. But I'll start at the top. I mean, a a guy that I, by the way, I agree with Tommy Fleetwood. I think he's going to be pretty popular. Another guy that's going to be pretty popular at 7,900, of course. Yeah, there you go. Wow. That was amazing. (laughs) Um, 
I had barely started my sentence and Rick had already typed in Max Homa. So, yeah, I love how we played last week. Um, I, I know I told this to Greg after round three. Uh, we did the recap show. I had a 250 to one ticket on Max Homa Friday night. And I, he found himself two shots back very early in his round, and I thought I might have had something cooking. But the bottom line there is he really fought his way back and played really well over the weekend, and that's not a surprise, right? He ended up losing on approach, but his ball striking has been so elite. Everything has really been elite, the short game included. So at 7,900, he's an absolute steal. He'll be really popular. Um, so consider that going down the board quite a bit. I think Seamus power is really interesting at 7,400. I don't see him as being like being a guy that's going to be super popular necessarily. The ball striking has been great, particularly over his last four tournaments. Uh, and he's shown the ability to pop with a short game. So I think that's a really nice recipe uh, for rostering a guy here. And then uh, a few other guys I'll mention real quick on Seamus power. Yeah. Look at this major championship record this year. 27th at the Masters, 9th at the PGA, 12th at the U.S. Open. Obviously, the stage not too big for all Sheamus. Yeah. Great point. That, that's actually truly amazing. And, and by the way, all the finishing positions around those majors are all pretty great, too, outside of the memorial where he missed the cut. So power is in really kind of elite form and at 7,400, uh, tremendous value. A live guy that I think is interesting. And I noticed he showed up on the on the lag, um, the lag putting chart that we had there in the beginning it's not abraham answer it's oh, actually man. it's actually taylor gooch who i again i know that's a lightning rod name and we just want to eviscerate him for what he said about the Ryder cup but listen he, he, at the live tour you know just like louis ustazen he's also got two top tens at his two live tour events and he rates out pretty pretty well here for me he's also been good at majors um yeah, I think at 7,300, he's a guy that people aren't going to be rostering really at all. And I think he's a really interesting play. A couple other names to mention. Ryan Fox is 7,100 as opposed to 8,500. I think that's interesting. It's it's quite the discount. I won't play him if he's really popular. But if he's not popular, I'll, I'll go ahead and buy that at 7,100. Sahit the Gal at 7,100 I think is very interesting. And then at the very bottom in this 7,000, 7,100 range, I'll just mention three names. Gary Woodland, Cameron Tringali, and Aaron Wise. Uh, I, I think those are very interesting prices for those three. Uh, Tringali coming off a, a great event last week at the Scottish Open. Woodland certainly seems like a good course fit. His game's coming around. And Aaron Wise, who's started to improve the putting and who was a great ball striker, I believe he's a flat 7K. I think those are all interesting names to consider in that range. Uh, Gary looks healthy again for the first time in a while, which is which is always good to see. Okay, here we go, Greg. Um, how would you like to reach in and, and grab out of the out of the seven K range? So I'm completely with you with Max Olma and Seamus Power. Uh, I was they're on my list for sure. Um, and Gary Woodland is on my list too. I just think the upside for Gary Woodland is extremely high, considering his price. So I, I like taking a chance there as well. But the the other guy that really stands out to me is Keegan Bradley, who is we know what he can do tee to green. So there's no there's no worry, there's no concern for me with Keegan tee to green. Um, he he plays in Florida. He plays very well in windy conditions as well. So I'm I'm not worried about that but again it's it's the putting for me that has really made a big difference he's 81st on tour this year in strokes game putting but more importantly 23rd in three putt avoidance and you look at his approach putt performance he's 51st now keegan isn't a guy that leans on putting so i'm not expecting him to lean on putting we don't need him to but those two statistics tell me he's not he's not bleeding strokes the same way the way that he used to. And I think that's why you've seen Keegan Bradley have the year that he's had, which is really a, a, um, a much improved year. And it gives me a lot of confidence. And at 7,200, I, I think he's really a, a great play this week. Uh, Keegan also has an elite headshot. Not many guys can get three full sponsors uh, <laughs> to his headshot like this. That's, that's elite work from Keegan. Yeah. Yeah, it's top notch. Oh, I got another guy I wanted to ask you guys about. Sure. Um, Christian Bezidenhut. Yes. Um, I feel like he gets a lot of attention in majors where, you know, he's a low price point guy and we don't really know what we're going to get, but people seem to go his way. 
Yeah. Um, and I feel like I really like his recent form. I mean, it was a tied 15th at the Charles Schwab. He missed the cut at the Travelers. Tied second at the John Deere. Tied 16th at the Scottish Open. He feels like a guy that's in really good form, uh, who leans a little more on his putting than you might like long term. But I, I think that could be okay this week. He's always popular in some of these situations because he's like the low-priced international that nobody knows about who plays on the PGA tour. So it's like, Oh, I, I've like at least seen that name or I've whatever. Right. Uh, I and actually, you don't forget it when you've seen it. No, you do not. I actually don't mind him this week, uh, especially because he's been so good, right? I mean, his last, his last four starts have produced three top 16 finishes. One was a runner up. You go back a little bit further than that. You find another T12 with the Byron Nelson. Um, he's very reliant on the short game, but a lot of links golf is just like, put the ball in the cup, like just get yeah. the ball in the cup, no matter how, when, why, just put the ball in the cup. And he's very good at that. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And again, that's a lot of what I see in the statistics. It's a, a red hot putter right now, which yeah. carried over to the open. So I'm not worried about the grass type. It's not like, well, he did great at the John Deere, but then, you know, lost it, completely lost it at the Scottish open. He gained four strokes, over four strokes put in there too. So I, I think, um, I think he's just really good on and around the greens. And um, so I think he's about, I have a name to ask about real quick before we get to the 6K range. Um, I want to make sure I pronounce this right. It's uh, Tiger Woods, I think. Tiger Woods. I think he's 7,500-ish, somewhere in that range. I got to say, I, I, I kind of want to play him this week. I think this would be the time to play him. I think that is sort of the conventional wisdom that if you are going to play Tiger Woods, it would be here. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean those people want to play him here. I'm just saying, like, I'm making that argument. And I, I think it might be a good setup for him. What, what are your thoughts? Before we uh, before we spend, uh, we're going to spend a lot of time on this probably. Okay, $7,500, see ya. What would be the worst outcome for Tiger that you'd be like, okay, he paid like he paid for himself himself on five? What finishing position would that be? Um 31st. 31st. Okay. Greg. Uh there's a lot to unravel here. Yeah. He has finished, well, he withdrew from the PGA championship and he finished uh 47th at the Masters earlier this year. He has already played like 50 holes in preparation for just in the last couple of days for this open championship. That to me says a couple of things. One, the walk is obviously not grueling. St. Andrews is very, very flat. The old course is. Um, it also says that like he knows this is his best shot. It's probably his best last shot. He's not getting any younger. He'll continue to go to Augusta National every year, but if it's going to be a body thing, that's not a great walk for him. This is his best last shot. I'm certain of it. <laughs> me too. Um, and there are a couple things that really stand out to me. One, he is as smart of a player as it gets. It, right, He understands the tact better than anybody. So all the things that we've talked about, the guys like the Zach Johnsons and the... Well, Tiger's the king of all that. He is far and above, head and shoulders above those players uh, and any player when it comes to thinking your way around a golf course. This golf course asks for it. But one of the things that we also find to be so important here is also important when you play that strategic golf. And it's, it was so important when Tiger won the masters in 2019 and that's the lag putting. Now Tiger's the best lag putter of all time, but is he still, and how much does the physical aspect, the, the physical fatigue that Tiger goes through affect his ability to perform on the greens. And I think we saw that very clearly at the Masters, where in round one, he was exceptional around the greens. His touch looked brilliant. He put the ball in the right spots. He made it look easy. He shoots 71. But then on Saturday, he has what? I mean, he three putts, it seemed like every green. He had a four putt. And all of a sudden, he's a little farther away from the hole, uh, but still in position, and, and he misses a six-footer instead of making it. And things just kind of get away. And I think a lot of that has to do with fatigue. So my biggest concern with Tiger is what's the great round for him? Does he have a 65 in the bag? Because I, I think you're going to need a round of 66 or better at some point during this championship to win. 
Um, it, it's it gettable. There are low scores out there, and, I, and I'm not sure that 468s get it done. So it, does he have the ability to go shoot 66 one day and avoid the 73? I, I don't know. I, and that's my that's my biggest concern is the um, he has to play so perfect where I don't think Rory McIlroy or Scotty Scheffler or, or even Wells Alatoris, I don't think those guys have to play perfect golf because they have the firepower to go crazy for nine holes. And I, I we haven't seen it from Tiger. Um, and, and it just, it, it gives me a lot of question. I, I'm not sure if that's really the game plan this week. Uh, Greg's absolutely spot on when you look at just, you know, rounds one and two of the Masters and the PGA Championship, short game stout, then it just is completely gone in rounds three and four, probably, yes, a physical aspect. So, Sia, um, we said a lot of words. Does that help at all? <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds like playing him in showdown is, is the way to go. Oh, that's, that's what I go. gathered. That's what I gleaned from that. That's interesting. Or, or betting him. Bet him to make the cut. Bet him to finish. I don't even know if you get a good number on his top 20. Um, I hope he does it, man. I don't know. I do, too. I mean, it's a life hedge. I, I'm all for, hey, let's play Tiger and hope for the best. I, there's there's a path for him to get there. It just, I, I don't think it's a smart play. $6,000 range. Uh, if my count is correct, there's 93 golfers in the $6,000 range. So, see ya. Uh, let's all right, find- read them. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> All treats harness. Go start with the A's. Uh, see, ya. let's find a couple out of 93, please. Yeah, there's a couple in particular I like. I'll start with Chris Kirk. Uh, also a good lag putter, by the way. Uh, a pretty disastrous Scottish Open for him, even though he made the cut. He was really bad with the ball striking and pretty bad with the putter as well, but completely willing to overlook that. I'm okay with it because the ball striking historically this year has been really great. Around the green game has been really great. And the putter has really turned around for him. Whereas back in, let's say, April, leading into May, it was pretty bad. And now he's gained with the putter looks like four out of the last five tournaments, if not five out of the last six. So I think it's 6,800. I mean, I think you could have put Chris Kirk at like 7,300 and that would have made sense also. 6,800 seems really low. So I like him as a value there. Uh, The other guy is Ju Young Kim. Uh, I'm a little late to the party here at 6,500. Probably should have played him last week, but he's been excellent on the Asian tour. And on the PGA tour, he's been really good too. He's got a top 20 at the Byron Nelson, 23rd at the US Open, third last week at the Scottish Open. Um, he's a young kid, but he's just he just wins everywhere he goes. And at 6,500, if he can keep this pace up, he's going to easily, easily pay off his price tag. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that he got in last week or he got in this week because of his third place finish last week. He was already qualified. He's been rocking and rolling all over the uh, the Asian tour as well. Okay, Greg, what do you got for me? All right. Um so there are a lot of guys in this range that I really wanted to go with that I think like Keith Mitchell's one of them who I just I feel like it should be a co- great course fit but I'm I'm not sure yet. So I went to him last week. I played him in one and done last week and he played really nice round on Sunday. So I'm 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 still interested and I still think there's hope. Uh, but the holes are in that area, the approach putting and a three putt avoidance. That's a that's a big hole for him. But I love what he can do with the driver. And I I think that could give him some potential upside. So um, I'm lukewarm on, on Keith Mitchell. I, I do like Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, um, he reminds me a lot of a Christian Beziden who, um, where like we were talking about earlier, Rick, he just knows how to get the ball in the hole. And this seems like the kind of conditions. It seems like the kind of an event where Mackenzie Hughes pops. So I do think there's top 15 upside with me with Mackenzie Hughes, maybe even top 10. Um, but uh, I also, I like Stuart Sink. Uh, we talk about strategy. I think Stuart Sink understands strategy very well. He has surprising distance for a player of his age uh, at the Scottish Open. He gained nearly five strokes off the tee. So I, I do think that's an important aspect. And he's been playing some pretty consistent golf over the last three events, at least from a, you know, strokes gain metrics category. But my favorite play in this whole range, it's purely upside. And it's a guy I, I can see, look, we're at 6,400. So he could 
Um, he could miss the cut. I think 6,400. He could miss the cut, but I think he could be your first round leader as well. That's Wyndham Clark. Um, I, what Wyndham Clark does, T to green is really where, what? Oh, there he is. He's 66. All right. My fault. My fault. Um, so Wyndham Clark is coming off a tied 16th at the Scottish Open, tied 35th at the Travelers. He gained 3.4 strokes approaching the green at the Genesis Scottish Open. Uh, he, he gained seven and a half strokes ball striking. Yet through time, he's a very good putter, uh, and and especially this year. So I, I think, Rick, well, on Wyndham Clark, will you jump over to his stats and see what his, like his... Um, Three-putt avoidance, he's 24th. There you go. And if you want to look at his uh, approach putt performance. Yeah, that was the other one. That's over here. So Wyndham Clark, I could sort alphabetically, uh, 124th. Yeah, so not great. But the, the three-putt avoidance is, is key. Yeah. And you're ta- again, there are going to be holes uh, for guys in this range. But I, I think the upside for him is, you know, first-round leader, contending on Sunday. Uh, I, I think he has that kind of firepower to go to go crazy here if you look at if you kind of look at the stats he's third you know he's inside the top 30 for for strokes game putting and he doesn't three putt often that like but his but his approach putt performance is not as good so he's basically a guy who runs it three feet by or four feet by and never and makes it never misses it coming back right so he's very he's he's an aggressive player and that's where upside comes into play in a lot of ways. Um, so look, I, I think it's a, it's a high risk play, but I really like it at 6,600. Okay. Um, I want to get to our narrative lineups. There's a question that says, Rick, would you eat haggis if it guaranteed a tiger win? What is that? Haggis is that uh, Scottish dish and I'm trying to remember its contents. Like an actual food, right? Yeah, sure. I'll eat it. If t- it like if it guaranteed a tiger, tiger win, why not? Why wouldn't I? Yeah, I'd eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'd eat it every day for a week. I don't know. What, like, what? Oh, I have to go take it. That's a little extreme. I'm sure it's hard. I'm actually not like I do not like to try new food, so that's probably not good for me. But um, in, intestines, I guess it's intestines. The stomach of a cow says risk nerd. Yeah, that's uh. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll keep it to once. It's if you know. If the big cat gets the gets the hoist, I think I would do it. Uh, all right, we've got narrative lineups. Uh, I believe. How many do we have? See, three of them. Just three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, there's TJ. Do you want to start with with TJ's here? What do we have going on? Yeah, this is uh, TJ's. In uh, I like this one. This one's near and dear to my heart because it's an NFL seven on seven narrative. So we're tying in golf. We're tying in NFL. My two favorite sports. Um, okay, so we got Joe Thomas, which of course is Justin Thomas. Okay, uh, so, so he's, he did first initial, last name. So, right. so Jay Thomas could be Justin Thomas or Joe Thomas, who is a, a lineman in the NFL. That's what, that's what this crossover looks like, right? This is why you get paid to host and I don't, because <laughs> I didn't set this up well at all. But Rick, take it from here. M. Fitzpatrick, which could be Matt Fitzpatrick, Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, D. Johnson, that's Dustin or David. C. Young, that's Cameron Young or Chase Young. T. Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence, and I don't know the guy. Uh, I think his name's Tristan Lawrence. Tristan, I believe. Uh, And there's an M. Ford, which is Mike Ford, and I don't know the M. Ford of this event. Somebody who probably open qualified. I'd have to check. And then a bonus, uh, a C. Kirk, which it could be Chris Kirk or Christian Kirk. So that's the NFL seven on seven narrative from TJ. That's pretty creative. That's very cool. That's excellent. And it's Matt Ford, by the way, is the golfer that's actually in the open championship. Okay. Brent Harris says, uh, strokes gain narrative hashtag the open championship players who live life way out in the open. Okay. Uh, John, have you been to Hooters daily? Bryson, YouTube, DeChambeau, Max, Twitter, Homa, Hideki, Japanese media, Matsuyama, Rory, I'm on the PGA Tour now, McElroy and Tiger. Hello, world. Woods. Interesting take on that, Brett. And I think That's we have one more. Strong. Yeah, from the king, of course. John Markowski. Okay. Oh, boy. I am going to butcher these. Uh, I apologize in advance for to all my Scottish friends. So this says all about Scotland. 
John Gordon Ramsey, which is John Rom slash Gordon Ramsey, I'm assuming. Yep. Abe and Sir Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle, who was the author of Sherlock Holmes, and that's also Abraham Anson. Patrick, they'll never take our freedom. Patrick Reed. Wow. Free. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's that's easier if you're reading it than saying it to, to get that that's Patrick Reed. There's Haggis, Haggis English, Harris English. Min, min, don't woo, forget about the Lee. That is a song that I've never heard before. And Sean Connery Norris, Sean Norris, rounding out John Markowski's uh, narrative lineup. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, I thought he had seven. That's six. Nice. Nice, John. Well done. <laughs> Gents, any final thoughts before we get out of here? I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this. And I love, I just, I love Sia's idea, Rick, your idea as well, making lineups for AM and PM wave, wait as long as you wait as long as you can uh, and plug them in when you think there's one with an advantage. It's been a theme all year. uh, And I think it's, it's likely to happen again this year. Um, I agree. I agree. And anytime you get an exposed golf course like the old course, it's just wait and hope you're on the right side of it. Yeah. And the difference between the waves here can be exponential. For sure. Don't forget to vote. The fan one and done vote is live right now. There's a link in the description. Get your vote in because Tuesday morning we'll be announcing that on the mega preview pod. Uh, Wednesday morning will be the betting show live. Then round by round recaps at a time to be determined, which is probably close to what we did last week, which was like one Eastern or something like that. So keep an eye out for uh, for those and we'll cover everything for the 150th Open Championship. But for now, big thanks to producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad available on Twitter at Sia Najad. Greg Ducharme can be found at the real GFD and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.